And so I have you open up to Psalm 123. Um, let me read just, just verse 3 of Psalm 123. There's only four verses, and we'll look at all four. But I want to just read verse 3 uh, to start off with. Verse 3, Psalm 123, have mercy on us. We've been looking at a lot of that word lately, haven't we? Now, if you don't have New King James, it might say gracious. Uh, you might also have that version. But have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, exclamation. You can see this kind of a, an earnest shout, if you will. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Sounds like a great thing to be filled with, right? We're exceedingly filled with contempt. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you now. We're grateful for your mercy. Even now, Lord, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon it. Lord, you've had so much mercy on us. That's why we're even here in the first place. Be gracious to us. Fill, it, fill this place with the presence of your spirit. We sang, come Holy Spirit. Even now, come speak to us. Minister to us. Lord, give us that which we need, not which maybe even we want, but what we need from you. Uh, Lord, to bring us more conformed to the image of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak through these passages and everything that's said. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I, uh, I, I mentioned this, but I'll just kind of recap it. We were driving back from Florida um, after Thanksgiving, and I, I had the pleasure of driving 12 straight hours on a Friday uh, to get back here. And my wife and I, we, uh, we actually don't mind the drives because we catch up on stuff. We get to pray about things. We're like, hey, did we ever get back to so-and-so? No, we didn't. All right, yeah, put that down, you know, that kind of thing. And so it, it's really fruitful. But uh, we'll actually talk about things that maybe she's doing in her personal devotions and me. And she said, hey, I want to read you this uh, from Oswald Chambers. Now, I have a ton of devotional books. Probably you guys do, too. Oswald Chambers is one that we probably have four copies of, uh, at, at different quadrants in the house. You could find one. And many of you have probably been reading it for years, but I just wanted to uh, read what she read to me. And as soon as she read it, I felt like the Lord was saying, I want you to teach on this, because I was trying to, Lord, what, what do you want me to teach this one final Wednesday uh, before, we get into, uh, before we get into the Christmas season? Which but tonight, as we look at this passage in Psalm 123, we'll look at all four verses, but uh, just, these four, just these four short verses. And let me read from what Oswald Chambers says, and he's, uh, his, his kind of anchor text is the 20, Psalm 123, verse 3, and he says this. He says, what we, what we must be aware of, what, I'm sorry, what we must be aware of is not damage to our belief in God. He's saying, hey, I'm not talking to you like you're going to lose faith in a belief in God, but damage to our Christian disposition or state of mind. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously, Malachi 2.16. Our state of mind is powerful in its effects. It can be the enemy that penetrates right into our soul and distracts our mind, hear this, distracts our mind from God. Wouldn't you agree with that? He's saying the state of our mind can distract us from God. There are certain attitudes we should never dare to indulge. If we do, we will find they have distracted us from faith in God. Until we get back into a quiet mood before him, our faith is of no value. 
and our confidence in the flesh and in human ingenuity is what rules our lives. And that's exactly what happens. We start to kind of manage and control everything. God says your mind, the state of your mind has become discombobulated. Attitudes start to change. When we hear the word distraction today, it probably resonates more than at any time in human history. Think about this. How am I supposed to do my job, be a good parent, keep the house, maintenance of the car, exercise, manage kids' activities, take an online class, get to the grocery store, run some errands, change the radio station, check email, text 20 people, write some checks, check the mail, check Facebook, check Instagram, check the news, check the weather, check the to-do list, record a show, watch a show, read an article, and don't forget to eat, sleep, shower, brush your teeth, and the list goes on. Sound familiar? That's what's whizzing past us, all around us. And you say, well, that's, that's my life right there you just, uh, you just articulated. Now, it may not be everybody's life, but something on that list, and I left a lot of things off. I could have I put many other things in there that would fill the list. And somehow you made it here tonight. Somehow you avoided all the distractions, and you somehow are here. And notice what wasn't in that list. Spend time with the Lord, worship, be in prayer. That wasn't in that list, was it? All that other stuff. Now, some of that list doesn't actually have to be done. Did you know that? Some of that list is not. God didn't say, you know what, I want you to do all that. A lot of that is just stuff we put. Jesus said, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. The world's burden is not light. It just wants to keep stacking until, you know. See, the things that were not on the list are the things our souls actually need. That other stuff doesn't minister your soul. It wearies the soul. Not, uh, you still have to take care of the kids. You still have to maintain the car. You still got to get the oil changed. You still got to brush your teeth. Some of those things are must-dos. Some of them are not so important. We start to see why God himself says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. You know, Lord, you mean everything will be added? Everything we actually need will be added unto us. And yet there's still an avalanche of things that come at us. That's why he quoted that verse from Malachi. Take heed to your spirit. See, our spirit, it's not real smart on its own. Did you know that? Take heed to your spirit. Your spirit is a really bad compass. Well, when your spirit's troubled, God will use that to kind of say, hey, something's not right here. But our spirit is not inherently righteous. We'll get to that. But as long as we're conscious and we're breathing, we have a nonstop engagement with our own minds, don't we? As long as we're conscious, you're, you're thinking something right now. We have a nonstop engagement with our mind. What we think about, what we believe, what we prioritize, what we focus on, what we fight against, 
what we invest in, everything, our words, our attitudes, our motives, everything that's happening here is connected to what's happening here, right? Everything that's going on up here is what's connected to right here. And we're either overcoming, the Bible talks about the, the believers being overcomers. You know that? Re book of Revelation, he who overcomes by the word, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of his testimony. We're either overcoming, now trust me, if we are overcomers, it sometimes is a snail's pace. So don't get, don't get too worried. Say, if I'm overcoming, I'm the slowest overcomer in the history of Christianity. No, you're right there with everybody else. Overcoming is a slow process. Or we're being overcome. We're either overcoming or we're being overcome. There is no middle ground. Everyone is either overcoming or being overcome. And that's why it says, take heed to your spirit. Take heed to your spirit. Are you overcoming or are you being overcome? Now, the good news is, God says, even if you're here tonight and you're being overcome, I want to flip the script. And I want you to start overcoming. And it's, it's like watching the hands on a clock. You're overcoming. We'll think, I've watched the clock and it's not moved. But when you turn away from look, it's actually moved, right? We will start overcoming. So I want to like take a look at three things here tonight that are directly related to the text. And the first one we, we just take uh, right from verse 3 here. We'll come back to verse 4 uh, and verses 1 and 2, but we want to look just at verse 3 in Psalm 123 to start with. What I've titled three things tonight, the first one, the inside struggles. Uh, because we all have an inside struggle situation that we're dealing with as far as all the different things that distract us, that put us in bad moods, anxious, angry, frustrated. I give up. Everyone else is the problem. Why is it, why is it all this, why does God allow all these kind of things and why are there are all these distractions? And even though we might have more stuff around us today, if we didn't have today's stuff, we would be distracted with something else at any other point in history. Otherwise, the scriptures wouldn't be relevant then as they are now. It means just as much today as it did then, and, and everybody else had their own things at different times. But the things that everyone really deals with are really not... So, all that other stuff that, that you can see is kind of ancillary. The, the real thing we deal with is always in the spiritual realm. Are we listening to the voice of God? That's why it said, be still. You gotta, you gotta stop and say, I'm hearing from God. You had to make time to be here tonight, to be still tonight, to listen to what the Lord wants to say. Twice in verse three, let's pick it up back in verse three here. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us. Twice in verse three is the acknowledgement that our inward condition. Now, remember, these are saints. Um, these were Jewish saints that would be on their way. You guys are familiar with the Psalms of Ascents or Songs of Ascents? This is one of the Songs of Ascents. You might look in your Bible 
Uh, you'll see, if you look uh, over any of the chapters above or below, they all say, some of you are in italics, Song of Ascents. Well, those of you that are going to Israel with us in February, uh, Jerusalem's on a high point, and so the roads go up to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem sits on a hill, and the roads would go up, and so as they would actually journey to Jerusalem, as they would travel up, they would sing these psalms. They would sing them. And that was a way to memorize the passages, but also have the passages minister to them and sing them as worship. So you get all three benefits at once. You think about that, right? One, you're memorizing the passage. Two, you're worshiping God. And three, you're giving him glory. And oh, by the way, well, even four, you're actually ministering to your own soul. So all of that's taking place. So everyone, little, little guys, the whole family might have some tambourines. They're just on their way to Jerusalem singing these psalms or these songs as they would head to the temple area, up to Jerusalem to go to the temple. But as this one is being sung, they're, they're crying out for mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. Acknowledging that we have this desperate need of God's grace and mercy, that we have an inward enemy or a battle that's always fighting against ourselves. Would you agree with that? We have an inward battle. See, with salvation... We may now, as, as um, Oswald Chambers said, he said, we're not, we got to beware of not damage our belief in God, but damage our Christian disposition or state of mind. When we've come to Christ and we're saved, we may now have a very sincere desire to be filled with the Spirit of God. You might hear tonight and say, I really want to serve the Lord. I really want to be Spirit-filled. And you really want the peace of God. And yet, simultaneously, even while we want to be filled with the Lord, we want, want to be used by the Lord, simultaneously, we can be allowing things in our mind that defeat that very pure desire, that defeat the same desire, I want to be used to the Lord, but I'm allowing things in the front door, or in the back door, or in the side door, they're defeating that same desire. Let me give an example. We may truly want godly kids. We may truly want kids that we say, we want all of our kids to follow Christ. We want, all our ki- we want all of our kids to grow in him. We want them all to have godly friends, to make spiritually wise decisions, and yet not have our lives oriented around that very same goal. Does that make sense? If I ask some Christians, I believe they would sincere and say, I desperately I pray it. Is your life oriented around that? Well, not really. So right now, your desire is not really matching your footsteps. Take heed to the Spirit. The desire is there, but the intention and the actions aren't aligned to that correct desire. The correct desire, but the intention, the actions aren't aligned. Why? Because other things are in the way. Other things are in the way. We're distracted We're distracted by all the other things that deep, deep down we know are not more important. We know they're not more important. But we say they aren't more important, but just for this day, and this day never stops being this day. Ten years later, this day is still the same thing, right? We know they're not, just tomorrow, tomorrow I'll reprioritize. Take heed to your spirit. We convince ourselves that we'll get the 
right priorities and commands after we've taken care of these pressing things. These very pressing things. That again, we know are less important. That's what Oswald determined. He said, be careful. These distractions, these distractions will take you away. Uh, when they were on their way to Jerusalem, there was no distractions. It was total immersion in these psalms, just facing God. We'll get to that in just a bit. This is the natural state of our minds, though. You know that hymn, Prone to Wander? Mm -hmm. It's a natural state of our minds. We ultimately do, though, what we think about, what we think through, what we reason out. Those are the things that we do. But when we desire the pure, when we desire the wise, we desire the holy, we desire the internal, and start to follow those, things start to change. And yet we can know all that and still gravitate. We can know those things are, are eternal and rich and can't be corrupted, and yet we can still gravitate to the temporal, the unwise, the lower value. Here, here's another, the unfulfilling. We even know they're unfulfilling, and yet we'll still say, I'm going to double down on it. Romans 7, 7 19. You, you, might, you might have all read this passage from Paul. Maybe the first time you read it as a believer, you're like, wow. Someone wrote just like me. Paul said, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. You're like, wow, that's an apostle wrote that? First time I read this, I, I was only saved a little while. I was like, I can relate to this verse. This could be my life verse right here, you know? You don't want it as your life verse. But it is a good proof verse of why you need chapter 8 of Romans. Chapter 7 is all about getting to chapter 8. I'm sure we can all relate to Paul's dilemma there. But our situation, the inclination of our mind, is actually worse than Paul documents. It's worse than Romans 7.19. And more precarious when it comes to winning the internal struggle. In fact, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? It's not just about, well, that's the unsaved people. No, no, no. That's the natural state of our heart. The natural, what we're born with. And we might ask, well, is this the same after salvation? Or... Is this a before salvation or an after salvation verse, Jeremiah 17.9? Yes, with a caveat. With salvation, we are new creations, right? We, we become new creations at the point of salvation. The Holy Spirit enters our heart at the point of salvation. The presence of God and his righteousness that was not there before then takes residence in our spirit. That's really good news, isn't it? All that's true. He takes residence in our, in, our, in our hearts and in our minds. But the same unbelieving flesh, the same self-will, the apathy, the greed, you name it, still has a foothold in us. Because we still, a remnant of the flesh remains. Right? We're born of the Spirit. But God, until, uh, until this mortality puts on immortality, 
a foothold of the flesh remains to fight against till the day you die. Romans 7 versus Romans 8. What does this mean for us? Well, if we're saved, it's actually what Paul writes in Romans 7 and Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, 9, it's actually hope and a divine roadmap. That's why they were crying out for what? Mercy. Because the person that recognizes that they desperately need God's help is going to get God's help. That's hopeful, isn't it? The person that says, well, if this is the case, I desperately need the Lord. And you'll start singing on the way to Jerusalem, if you will. It's a divine roadmap. Uh, what we're seeing here in Psalm 1, it's a divine roadmap for our, the response of our thoughts and mind. To us, when we read these passages now, when I first time I read them post-salvation, they're not condemnation for us, they're clarity for us. They're clarifying how much we need to rely on the Spirit. Amen? Because that foothold is strong enough to dominate our thought life, and we can get distracted by anything. Hey, there's a rabbit. There, hey, there's it, right? Spiritual or just kind of busyness. And this is the desperate condition of our flesh, your flesh, my flesh. It's perpetually, understand inside, even after we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit. You know how this works. Holy Spirit says, get up and read. Spirit, the flesh says, I want to sleep. Right? I mean, it's as simple as that, but it's everything. Uh, go to church and worship. I would rather just stay home and watch it. Uh, I'll catch a little bit of it on streaming. And God says, no, no, no. You need to go and gather with the body of Christ. Share with your coworker. Invite them. Well, they'll laugh at me. That's not the Lord saying, well, they'll laugh at me, right? That's our flesh. Doesn't mean that we're not saved, but we just have this foothold of the flesh that always fight. God says this, and the flesh fights back and says, I don't want to do that. I want to do something different. It's the desperate condition of our flesh. It's, it's perpetually opposed to the new work of the Spirit, and it wants to dominate our minds. And the flesh is okay with sin or weights. Hebrews 12, right? Lay aside every sin. And wait, and what Christians a lot of times do is they find that, well, this isn't a sin, so therefore I can pile them up like pancake stacks. And they'll still destroy our minds. Well, they weren't sinful. Yeah, they're not. Um, you know, you put every ant in the world on top of an elephant, it'll go down. Right? All of them around the world, that would be a lot. You put a cloud of them, it's going down. And so uh, the weights, they may not be sin, but you stack them up, and all of a sudden your mind is no longer on God. It's on all the other stuff. I don't know what the distractions or the attitudes of your mind, you know, what's kind of the distractions that are uh, hitting you or the attitudes that are in you tonight or lately or this year could be bitterness you, you might be here tonight and say, I, I still have some bitterness, and I, I don't want to have it, but I still have got some bitterness. Could be bitterness towards God for things he's allowed. Sometimes people don't even realize that their bitterness is really towards God. Well, if he wouldn't allow this, I, my life would be this much better, or this wouldn't have happened. God allowed. Could be fear or worry. 
They're very, well, they, they have a real impact on us. Could be constantly focusing on what is wrong. Constantly focusing, always focusing on what is wrong. Could be impatience. Irritated at waiting at the slow pace God is working. Why so slow, God? I was reading some uh, little uh, prayers from kids, and one kid wrote, true prayers. Uh, one kid wrote, uh, dear God, did you kill my cat and allow him to get run over? If you did, I need an answer as to why. <laughs> so, you know, it's like... Uh, from the time we're little, we want, we want God to answer the questions, help explain, why did this happen? Why is it taking this long? Take heed to our spirit, though. It could be pride. We could actually say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a really, I got really together as a Christian. I, I'm, these other folks, they're not, so, they're not so spiritual like me. could be pride thinking that you have things together. There's a warning against that, too, in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Therefore, him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. We, we never have anything to be prideful about in our Christian walk. We just have things to be grateful for. Back to mercy. Back to the gracious goodness of God. Could be a negative spirit. You may not complain ever outwardly, but God would say, I've heard thousands of complaints on the inside. And no one else has heard them. And everyone else thinks that you're not a complaining person, but God said, oh, yes, you are. You complain all the time. You just do it up here, which, by the way, will, will eat your, it really will have a bad impact on your health and everything else, a complaining spirit. Whatever it is, we're to take heed, take heed to our spirit uh, and, and understand where is the flesh foothold actually dominating Another thing uh, is important here. It says take heed to your spirit. It doesn't say try and figure everything out. Uh, don't try and figure out why we're so weak. Just accept that we are. You, we can wrap ourselves around the axle trying to figure out, well, if, I'd have, if this would have happened differently when I was younger, or this would have happened, or this would have happened. We, we're not to try and figure out all the reasons why we're weak. It just God says, you're, remember what he said, Jeremiah, your heart is desperately wicked. That should cover everything, shouldn't it? Because the enemy wants us to focus on the minutia. But that's not what they were doing on the, on, the, on the road to Jerusalem. They were looking up and saying, have mercy, have mercy, not, and let's get into all the minutia of everything. So I'm trying to figure it all out. Just accept God's word that we are weak and they were very flawed. Don't dwell on the start of where it all, where the chain reaction. If I go back, you know, people spend so much time trying to figure out if this wouldn't have happened, guess what? It happened. So to sit, to sit there and figure it out, Paul said, forgetting those things are behind, I do what? Press forward. Paul's like, I can't live and all. Paul watched Stephen stoned to death. Paul could say forever, man, if I would only, if I would have listened to Peter when he preached the first time, you know? doesn't do any good. Paul's like, I have, to, I have to let that stuff go that I can press forward to the high calling of the Lord. Allow the Spirit to tap you on the shoulder and just place a mirror in front of us 
Don't you love the Word of God? It's definitely a mirror, isn't it? Allow the Spirit. I don't know what's going on with the lights, but it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, I'm, see, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to say it's pretty cool. He can place a mirror in front of us. The Holy Spirit can tap us, and, and that God wants us to hear our thoughts as they compare to the character of God. God says, do, do you hear what you're saying? How does that really line up with my character, what I've said? The promises of God. And when we hear that, we should seek back, again, the mercy of God. And to do so according to his instructions and his promises. We can't be trusted, but God can. Amen? Trust him with the results. The Lord says, this is, this is if you... Tr- not to your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. His, lamp is, his word is a lamp in our feet. Uh, but Romans 8, I said, now, the seventh chapter was written, see, we get to the eighth chapter. The seventh chapter is trying to battle the flesh. The eighth chapter is doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. If, if the Romans ended with the seventh chapter, we would all be miserable. But it doesn't. The eighth chapter is the work of the Spirit. And it says in Romans 8, 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Set their what? Minds. Their minds. And so we understand to take heed to our spirit is to see. The Holy Spirit says, hey, that attitude, that thought, those priorities, those distractions, those aren't of me. And we say, oh, yeah. What, what really prompts the life in the Spirit? It's first to just go back to the mercy of God and His grace. And then when we get in the grace and mercy of God, He reminds us of the simple, simple, simple steps. As simple as we read, be still and know that I'm God. That's where it starts. And He says, all right, I'm not going to give you that laundry list of things to, to be distracted with. I'm going to give you things that will actually minister to your soul. Now look at verse 4. We have the inward struggles, but it's not just inward. We really do have an enemy in this world, and we really do have people that don't like believers, and we really do have a world system to deal with. That We have a fallen world all around us. You can live right and do everything right and still have a season like Job did where it came at him from every different direction, right? Job didn't say, you know what I'd like? I'd like a tornado to wipe out the family. I'd like boils all over me. That stuff came from the outside, didn't it? That wasn't stuff that was in him. But once it comes from the outside, guess where it then ends up? On the inside. Verse 4. Psalm 123, verse 4. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are eased, and with the contempt of the proud. Now, this is basically, uh, we can get more specific, but, but we're not. In a general term, he's saying the outside world presses in on us. In this case, people at ease, kind of like ASAP and 73rd Psalm, uh, you know, they are having a great, and, and the more he looked outside, the more it bummed him out on the inside. As we've outlined, Without any, without any outside intervention, we're born full of contempt. We're born full of our own rebellion, our own resistance to God. And even with salvation, we talked about we have this war inside of ourselves for the mind of the Spirit. 
to think like Christ, to love like Christ, to be led of the Spirit, and to then have our actions follow. So we have that internal struggle. Even if there wasn't an outside, we already have that. And it's only the mercy and grace that breaks through and allows us to even redirect our thought. If God didn't do the work, I would never even... I wasn't thinking about preaching this message. I'm just riding down I-95. God says, that's what I want you to do because I intervene in the lives of people. I want you to... First, I had to preach to myself and come and, and share it here. But God, he says, I intervene, and it's his grace and mercy. But not only do we have to deal with ourselves and our own weaknesses and our own inclinations that we're born with, uh, but we have an outside world and we have an outside enemy that's there to push our buttons. You ever feel like Satan's pushing your buttons? He'll use people to push your buttons. If you have a person that really pushes your buttons, the enemy knows who those people are. And he likes to send them your way. And God allows them to come your way so you can learn to walk in the Spirit. They, they were sent Jesus' way, and he confounded them all the time, didn't he? They could have been full of demons. They could have been uh, telling him he was Beelzebub. They could have been uh, people that were just a, a basket case. But no matter what it was, Jesus was not derailed by them. Instead, he spoke the Spirit to them because he was under the control of the Spirit, but a lot of times we're not. So we actually think the outside problem is causing our problem. God says, no, I'm going to let these things come so you learn to rely on me. Um, when the enemy pushes our buttons, we have no excuse if we succumb to the traps, if we succumb in the trials, if we succumb in the temptations. Uh, even though the attacks are real, we have no excuse. Do you agree with that? God doesn't say, well, you know what? I didn't give you enough help in the Word. My Holy Spirit's not powerful. No, we have no excuse, but we do get to ask for mercy again. And we do get to ask for grace again. But understand, God gives wisdom and he gives instructions. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul writes, lest Satan should take advantage of us, but we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, we can see, hold on, time out here. This is, our, this is us having an internal conversation. I'm not falling for this. This is the enemy trying to derail me. You ever have that kind of conversation with yourself? I do. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not falling. I was about to fall for it. Asap says that in 73rd chapter. He goes, I was about to slip until I saw their end. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was about to go join them and say, enough with this Christianity stuff. Uh, this is for the birds. I'm going to go follow, you know. It was about to slip, but we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. The external comes in, but then uh, internally, God by his spirit, did you know internally, when we look at ourselves, God wants to, by his spirit, give us an x-ray vision for ourselves, where we can kind of, the Holy Spirit kind of, this is your, your devotional time, your prayer, God does this full body scan, and you see, that's out of place, that's wrong. The Holy Spirit's given this internal x-ray vision. Externally, as we look outside of us and we're walking the world, he wants to give us spiritual night vision. You see how special forces operate in the pitch black dark? Or like you know, a jaguar that, that be dark as can be. They can just roll because they have night vision that we don't have. God wants to give us night vision because it's dark out in the world. And we can see things around us that are potentially impacting us but we see them for what they really are. Not what the world says they are, what they really are. And we're not distracted. We're like, oh, 
well, all the world does this, and it's not a sin, so therefore, I probably should add it to my life. And God says, why? It's going to drag you away from me. It's a weight. And it, it, weights can become sins later on, but they might start out that way. Let me read again from Oswald Chambers some outside things. Uh, these are the last three paragraphs that he writes. He says, beware of the cares of this world, Mark 4.19. They are the very things that produce the wrong attitudes in our soul. It is incredible what enormous power there is in simple things to distract our attention away from God. Refuse to be swamped by the cares of this world. That's why many Christians don't really gather with the body anymore. They, they, they're down to just a, a little bit of connection with the body of Christ in a year because they've been swamped by the cares of this world. He goes on. Another thing that distracts us is our passion for vindication. No, oh, this one will hit home. St. Augustine prayed, Oh, Lord, deliver me from this lust of always vindicating myself. Such a need for constant vindication destroys our soul's faith in God. Don't say, I must explain myself, or I must get people to understand. Our Lord never explained anything. He left the misunderstandings and the misconceptions of others to correct themselves. Jesus was misunderstood all the time, and he did not bother to address them all. He was constantly misunderstood, but he wasn't distracted by everyone else misunderstanding him. He knew who he was in God. Amen? He wasn't distracted by everybody else. Well, they say you're this. Some say, who do men say I am? He doesn't go back. Let's, we need to go back and correct them all. It goes on. When we discern that other people are not growing spiritually and allow that discernment to turn to criticism, we block our fellowship with God. God never gives us discernment that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. Well, I see a lot of Christians over the years that they've become so spiritual. They're really good. They are speck finders in everybody. And they're so focused on the outside, everybody's beam, everybody's specks, that they're full of them now in their own eyes, but they don't see that. Beware of that. These outside attacks. Understand that everything that starts from the outside can and will easily end up back on the inside with attitudes, frustration, bitterness, pride, hypocrisy, all of these things. And if it stays there, guess what? It accumulates, doesn't it? And now we have multiple problems. You know, you see why so many people today are on multiple psychosomatic drugs and things. They used to be on one, now they need two. Because there's this compounding effect. And God says, I want you to deal with it before it becomes compounded layers. Now, he can, God can blow through all the layers too, which is great news. The dirt, now think about this. Everything on the outside. Think about your house. The dirt we bring in, every time you walk from the car into the house, you're bringing some dirt in. Even you really clean people. You may not look like pig pen with a little dust cloud, you know. But every time you walk into the house, you bring a little bit of dirt with your shoes. That's why in Asia and parts, you know, that take the shoes off. Some of you might have that. We don't have that thing in our house. You can wear your shoes in our house. Not a big deal. But we know uh, you can bring, you're bringing dirt in, and it's either going to have to be swept or vacuum, the dirt will never show itself back out the door, right? It's either going to have to be swept up 
or vacuumed up. It won't remove itself. And so God says, the things that are on the outside that you've allowed in, you're going to have to, sh- I'm going to have to show them to you. You've allowed them in, and they need to be swept back out. They've become clutter. They've become distractions. We can, like Lot, in the book of Genesis, we can start taking, it, it, Oswald talks about the cares of this world, we can start taking long looks at the world, longingly. Some people shouldn't read Forbes and Fortune magazine. It'll just make them, I need that. I need that in my life. I need to really advance my career. Looking longingly at all these things. And what happens, the longer we take these long looks at the world, less time with God, more time anywhere and everywhere else. And Satan doesn't really care where that time goes as long as it's not with God. Did you know that? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't care if some dude's in the strip club versus living on fantasy football. Because a lot of Christian guys will say, well, fantasy football, it's, it's, not, it's not a sin. No, it's not a sin. But if it becomes a huge chunk of your life and God is this little tiny, you've got a problem now. What was a weight has become more than a weight. Say, well, I'm not in the kind of sin I used to do when I was in a frat boy or whatever. It doesn't matter. God's been replaced, right? So these outside cares, they can swamp our mind and our time. Whatever the world offers as a substitute for peace and communion with God uh, causes us to drift because the the world always has all these substitutes, Right? Take a little edge off. Do, do this. Meditation. Try this. You know, all these different things, right? Take a vacation. You know, do the, nothing wrong with it, but those things can't truly offer what God does to the soul. But again, the lures of the outside world, they don't stay there. The enemy wants in us a divided mind. Did you know that? The enemy wants in us a divided mind. He wants a distracted, divided mind. And then idolatry takes root. We can start to, uh, it's, it's idolatry of ourself. It might start being, again, the longer we look outside, it can be jealousy. Get jealous of people. Why do they have this and we don't? Big distraction. It's not good. To, Jesus said, don't even compare yourselves one to another. We, we by nature do. We've got to kind of resist the Lord. Help me to keep my eyes on you and not comparing myself. Jealousy. Coveting. A couple of the commandments deal with coveting, don't they? Right? Not just coveting, but then the tenth commandment deals with it as well. You may still want to be, again, you may still want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Truly, you might, man, I, I so want to be filled with the Spirit of God and not even realize that at the same time you have a jealous heart. I've met people that I, 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 I know that they really do want to serve the Lord, and, and, and yet there's something that they have allowed as a foothold that they're, they're jealous of other people. So that, you, can't, you can't serve God and also hold on to that jealousy. You gotta let it, can't hold on to that bitterness. That's got to go. People can become jealous of what other people have, their health, their homes, their possessions. <laughs> Look at the world, and you can also just kind of uh, just kind of be at ease, what it says right here in, in, in 
those who are at ease. We can just start passing time instead of redeeming time. What are we doing, church? Are we passing time or redeeming time? Take heed to our spirit. All that uh, passing of time just kind of can, can allow lust in, can allow temptations in. Remember, David saw Bathsheba when he stopped focusing on his responsibilities to the Lord, didn't he? Got distracted. Take it off what he was supposed to, God had given him, I want you to serve in these areas. And it ties back with the covenant commitments of purity and worship that we looked at uh, in Nehemiah 10. That God says, I've given you these things to focus on. Uh, if you, Once I empty you from the old man and put in the new man, you've got new things to focus on. It's good that God has given us work to do. Amen? Because it's not work that will bury us, it's work that will refresh us. Because it's aligned with his spirit. What about becoming, uh, as he mentioned here, um, self-vindication? What, what, what about becoming preoccupied about other people's opinions about us? It's a danger, isn't it? You start living your life based on always concerned about what everyone else thinks about you. I love, I can't remember if it was Jonathan Edwards or it was one of the saints from like 1700. He said, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you as long as it's not true. It's a good way to live, isn't it? And then when he was accused of something, I love his answer. I can't remember which saint it was. He was accused of something by another minister or reverend. He said, the, the kind sir has it totally wrong. I am far worse than he said. <laughs> I am far worse than he said. Doesn't that just take all the weight off of us? Instead of constantly feeling we've got to vindicate ourselves and explain ourselves and prove that we really are reliable and we're really this and we're really a good person and we really are the most loving person. All that. God says, why are you trying to convince everybody? Just live right and live with filled with the Spirit and I'll take care of the rest. Jesus didn't go back around, hey, what did they say in the village about me? Do they like me a lot? Do they think I'm really cool? We need to go back, put a campaign out, tell them how great I really am. We can get preoccupied with other people's opinions rather than what God thinks about us. You know, once we start to kind of rest in his shade, we're not so concerned. Now, I'm not saying you, this is the, you, you wouldn't live like a jerk. You're being kind and loving, but you're not concerned because people will nitpick your every move in life. Did you know that? You experience that now. Welcome to ministry. We get it all. I mean, over the years, why did you do that? Why, did you, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you try this? You know, I'm like, I don't know. This is the way God told me to do it. I'd come back in five years and it might have changed. But He calls it the lust of self-vindication. Isn't that interesting? The lust of self-vindication. Stop trying to convince everybody. They just, uh, it, it just will discourage us. And then he talks about these uh, attacks from the proud. Yeah. Uh, the world doesn't always like us. And God will allow those kind of arrows and distractions to come. And we still have to love Jesus. You have to love even your enemies. Check your attitude. You know, you start to say, you know, I hope, I hope they get fired. Right? God says, why don't you, I, this, I've had those thoughts. You've had them too, right? I hope they get fired. Hope, I hope that none of this works out. And then God will do, again, this is internal voice again of the Holy Spirit. Hey, 
I died for them. Why don't you pray for them instead? Who made you God? And I, then I remember who's who, right? Oh, yeah. You died on a cross for them. I will pray for them. Now, my prayers when I start off like that don't always start out all that sincere, at least deep down. I feel like this feels like a fake prayer, Lord. I'm praying for them anyway. And then God says, it doesn't matter. You're sincere because you're obeying. It's not faking it. It's faithing it, obeying it. Even our pure, uh, last thing he says, discern that other people are not growing spiritually and and then it turns to criticism. Even when we're walking right, we've got to be careful because when we get aware that we're walking right, we become aware other people are not walking right. <laughs> That's how messed up we are. <laughs> and we become aware that we're walking right, and then all of a sudden, what is a spiritual care and actual insight can become holy criticism. Some people even pass it on as a prayer request to other people. <laughs> Holy gossip. You know, I just want us to pray together over so-and-so's many flaws. <laughs> and that's become slander. It's not spiritual at all. It's not at all spiritual. But whatever has distracted us or worried us or overtaken us or bound us or deceived us or lulled us to sleep or angered us, or depressed us, or anxious us, or puffed us up, you name it. All of these start where? In the mind. They're connected to the heart, but our mind is thinking, it doesn't matter if we're angry, or annoyed, or anxious, or fearful. All these things, they're in the mind. Now, we wish we could clean them all up. God says, I do want to clean them up, but the only way it's going to happen is the last thing we want to look at. Because any attitude and weakness of the mind health of the mind, or sin in the mind. It's from our flesh, or it's coming from the outside fallen world, or the enemy. But all of those things, that whether they come from the outside or they start on the inside, we still need supernatural help. None of us have any internal righteousness to defeat these giants in the land. Nobody does. Nobody is just, I mean... You can be an organized person and go to hell, or you can be a saved person and still be battling these giants, and God said, we're going to take them out one by one, but you're going to need my help. And you have to say, I need the Lord's help. The beautiful passage that opens up, go back to uh, Psalm 123, and let's look at verses 1 and 2, and we'll close with this section. Verse 1, Psalm 123, unto you... I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eye of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. You can circle that word until. This beautiful passage opens with the solution before it states the problem. Usually it's the reverse. Usually we see the problem, and then we see... The, but here the solution is stated first, then the problem is stated after. The Song of Ascents being sung here is aware of both the inward and the outward hindrances and the threats, but equally by faith, it's aware that there's an upward reservoir of mercy and supernatural power to overcome 
all the distractions, all the attitudes, and all the issues that are in our hearts and minds. Isn't that great to know? That's what they were saying. They were saying, here's the solution to our problem. The solution is up in the heavens above. It's not go to a Tony Robbins um, uh, power of positive thinking thing, right? It's not that. It's go to the power above all powers, the upward deliverance. Last couple of minutes, let's close with this. As I mentioned, the Israelites, they would go up to Jerusalem in song, and they were asking, and they were praying, and they were singing, and they were praising all the way up to the temple. Their focus clearly was upward, and when it's upward, they cleared the deck of all the priorities. Do you realize they had to leave behind chores, tasks, responsibilities, the deck had to be cleared. So there's times in our life where God says, I want you to clear the deck. One of the reasons why I think God has me preaching this now is don't wait till January 1 to start clearing the deck. God says, I want, you to fi- I want you to spend time with me and let me show you the distractions that I want you to slowly start to pray against. Some of them you just remove by obedience. And God says, I'm going to do. And it's it's going to seem your practical steps are going to be empowered by the supernatural of God coming down. And that's what they were doing. They're, looking at, they're clearing all these priorities uh, that tie up and tangle our minds. I put a list together of seven things here. Seven things that are either directly expressed or implied from the text. And you can take a look at these seven things, uh, directly expressed or implied. Uh, the first, as I mentioned, is here they are uh, looking up. And I'm going to get my glasses on so I make sure I've got them on here. Uh, orient our life upward. You have to say, am I really seeking first the kingdom of God? Have I oriented my life that way? They're also walking, as they're, uh, as they're moving towards uh, Jerusalem, they're walking while they're waiting. Remember the word until? Even though the word until is there, they're moving in the right direction. Did you know God has called us to move in the right direction even until he gives us total deliverance from this, that, or the other? He didn't say, hey, hang out there until I get there. He says, start moving in the right direction. Start cutting these cords. So we're walking while we're waiting. In ways only God can help us. Uh, Pastor David Guzik says this. He said, the psalmist isn't content to only wait on mercy. He is intensely pleading on it and demonstrating that waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing. Waiting on the Lord is not passive. We wait while we worship, while we pray, while we move forward. Waiting for God's peace, waiting for his provision, and it starts in the mind. But we have to intentionally take those steps. The Lord says, I've given you the mind of Christ. Now take the same steps that the disciples took, that the apostles took, steps that have already been given by the Lord, and believe by our actions, not our feelings, that they will work. Say, Lord, if you wrote it, it'll work. If you wrote this, it will work. Take our eyes off of everything else and look up. Don't put it off. God's saying, don't put it off. Do it now. Reaffirm to the Lord. It says, uh, look up to the heavens. Reaffirm to the Lord uh, that he is our creator, that he's our master, that he's our savior. And you are his servants. It says, as the eyes of his servants, as the eyes of his maidservants. Do you know a lot of Christians need to really, and I mean this 
100%. Get on their knees and say, Lord, I've stopped being your servant, and I'm sorry. I need to reaffirm that I am your servant. What they were saying is, we are like maid servants or servants in your presence. See, a lot of Christians are no longer servants of God. They're distracted, but they're servants of the world now. They're re-enslaved, and God says, if you want my help, you need to reorient to me and be a servant and reaffirm that you're a servant. So walking while we looking up for that dependence, being a servant. It, and we know that they were singing and they're, and they're worshiping. So, um, and by the way, this, uh, this dependence on the Lord, uh, I quote it to myself all the time. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do Nothing is really, really a low amount of stuff. An extremely low. It's exactly the same as zero. That's how much we can do without Jesus. Understand that many will say they want to please God. Many will say that they want to have uh, peace with God and peace in their minds. And yet they still are not willing to serve God. God says, it doesn't work that way. You want my peace? You must serve me. You say, well, I don't really like that. Well, once the Holy Spirit comes in and, and says, this is a beautiful thing, accept it, enjoy it, and watch God do an amazing work in it, say, Lord, I, I'm your servant. You came to serve, you came to seek, you came to save. I will serve you. That's what they're looking for that mercy. They're looking for that grace. The distractions, the attitudes, the self focus, it begins to fade as we serve the Lord. Did you know that? And the more we serve the Lord, the more it fades away, all of that other stuff. Um, I have a smartphone like a lot of people, I now use it to listen to. A lot of times, I like lately, I'll listen to hymns with no words, just instrumental. Just because I don't need the distractions of anyone saying anything, I just attune. It's like a David playing the harp and, and just, just communing with. I, and I know the words a lot of the hymns, so that I'll then speak them to myself. But it's just, we can use today's technology. We can put earbuds in and listen to the entire book of Psalms while you're doing something else. We can either have the word come in or we can have everything else come in. Make those decisions. Each of these, uh, just to go through them quickly as we come to a close here, uh, we know they were singing it. It's so important to worship and uh, start praising. Start worshiping. Well, I don't really feel like worship and praising. Do it. God will honor it. Slowly but surely, uh, there's no more room. There's no more room of the oxygen, of the distractions, and instead, God kind of envelops everything. He takes over. Over time, the foothold of the flesh gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Focus on his grace and mercy. We'll catch our minds and our hearts wandering, but then the spiritual sensitivity is raised, and we will notice the misdirection. We'll notice the enemy's ploys quicker. The help and protection of God is found in his presence. We need his help. We desperately need his help. Um, we all know what it's like uh, to get outside the range of a Wi-Fi network. Right? 
You get outside the rain, all of a sudden, hey, this isn't working anymore. They, everything stopped. God wants to place us in a spiritual Wi-Fi network that's constantly connected to him. You never get out of range. You're always hearing from the Lord. He won't turn it off. We can turn it off. He says, go into your spiritual settings and tune it correctly. God will never turn off the spiritual Wi-Fi network on it. It's always, we've messed, messed with the settings. Where he says, look, I want you to set this right because we still have our flesh We'll stumble and misstep, but we have his grace, we have his mercy, and, but again, if we are connected to him, he will knock on our hearts, say, why don't you take these steps, these actions. You ever almost threw your keys away? You ever almost, I, I've done this before, I've had other things, I'm about to toss them in the trash. You don't say, eh, just the keys. Why? Because you know that throwing them in there is going to cause a whole lot of other problems. Locksmith's going to have to come. No, no. You, you catch yourself and you say, oh, this other stuff, that's what the Lord will do spiritually. He'll say, you're about to kind of just do something dumb, and the Spirit will say, no, no, no. Pick this out, pick this out, hold on to this. And that's what the Lord will do. Um, last thing I'll say, just closing about uh, thanks. I started... Uh, I, I mentioned to you guys I started a thanks journal back in the middle of May. As of today, I'm up to 873 thank yous I've written since the middle of May in my thank you journal. And uh, I started in the middle of May. It's interesting that as my list has grown, my faith and perspective has grown. The, the more I keep writing them out, my faith and perspective, and God just says, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. I don't care if you thank me for things that, that, that you never thank me for again. Just keep writing it down, and I, and I do, and I just find uh, it's helpful for me. Maybe uh, God will use it in your own life, but, um, but by grace, I've stayed consistent. I keep writing. I keep praying. I keep just writing things down. I find myself, but the more I keep thanking God, I find that I think of Scripture more often, the needs of others more often, eternity more often. Uh, there's something about where God says, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, that God says, I actually meant it. Isn't that great to know? God says, I will do great things in your life, and I'll start to show you how to remove all these distractions, because they're going to keep coming, but we have his power and help to overcome them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, and Lord, uh, we pray that you would help us to orient our life upward, and to see these things for what they are. And Lord, to, to recognize these attitudes and these distractions, Lord, many of which we've allowed in. And Lord, we ask for your help to sweep them back out. To prioritize according to seeking first the kingdom of God. Lord, when we've got too much going, to be still and know that you are God. To take heed to our spirit. And all these things, Lord, each person here may meet a, need a little different angle of what was spoken. But Lord, you know what each person needs. And, Lord, we pray that we would come to one unity of mind and laying aside every sin and every weight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.